I think as we welcome you into hour two of the Plank Show, which is brought to you by Allison Insurance, allisoninsurance.com, 405-745-2968. Look at me keeping up to date in 2023 with our sponsors. Let's go. Wow. New year. I do think the more that I watch and read everything from last night is just a magnification of how unique that situation was. You know, it's just you don't. A, you don't see that happen in football, thankfully. And, and unfortunately, you know, Tulsa fans can attest to it from the Tulane player many years ago that was hurt. Um, and he went down. And they had to do CPR on him. You know, sometimes on neck injuries. But I've never just seen a dude collapse like that. And then, Josh, the immediate reaction of what was just shock and, and sadness. I mean, can you imagine watching your best friend have chest compressions on them and then the the world is watching to see your reaction? Oh, my gosh. One thing that is a dangerous game to play mm-hmm. is comparing sports to our lives, but I'll I'll do that dangerous comparison for just a moment. Can you imagine doing this show and one of us collapsing? Oh, I end? know, right? I mean, it's – yeah, it's so scary and – Ultimately, I'm glad that the human heart – well, that's horrible wording. <laughs> no, the, I hear what you're saying. The humanity of it all? Yes, yeah. the empathy of it all won out last night, right? That they didn't continue the game, that uh, that the players' emotions, that the coaches' emotions prevailed, and that they, they took that route. That was the, the right path forward. Agreed. So we'll continue to monitor it. Right? And, and any news that we get will pass along. But the latest this morning was a statement the Bills sent. He is in critical condition currently. Um, and after the postponement of the game last night, there was some news. And then it was kind of quiet. But, oh gosh, breaking news. All of the uh, all of DeMar's teammates, all the Buffalo Bills did return to Buffalo last night outside of I think a handful stayed back to be in the hospital with him. But there were no updates from the University of Cincinnati, but overnight the Bills did send out a statement that basically said, hey, you know, he is he suffered cardiac arrest. His heartbeat was restored on the field, transferred to UC Medical Center for further testing and treatment, currently sedated and listed in critical uh, condition. So we'll monitor this throughout the day. All right, so 10.06 on the Plank Show. We have some sooner rostered nuggets that we that we'll get to here. Let's let's do it live. Now, do we have official official confirmation on the addition of Devon Sears? Or is I, I feel like that's still very much up in the air. Sears is um Sears is on the target list for Oklahoma as far as potential defensive tackle additions. From the transfer portal, he was at Texas State last year. Hey, a said Roberts for Devon Sears trade. Let's go. Cedric Roberts, by the way, did indeed announce he's going to Texas State. But he's coming to Norman on January 4th. Is it the 4th already? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> I don't even know what day it is. So nothing official yet, but add his name to that list of players from the portal that Oklahoma is still currently in on. So Devon Sears would be a guy that was added. Over the weekend, we had two confirmed players that had an opportunity to leave that are coming back. I 
I don't know, Josh. There was a part of me that was a little bit worried about Woody Washington, but I was pretty fired up to see that Woody Washington was coming back. The dude's battled some injuries. I think he submitted for a draft grade and decided that coming back for another year at Oklahoma would better fit him. So you get to in in a in a year whenever you just don't know what that depth is going to look like in the secondary because young guys coming in, how will they factor in? And you feel like you've got pretty good depth in the secondary, which seems wild to say. To have Woody Washington coming back, I feel like it's a pretty big deal. This guy's been an established starter. Absolutely. And depending upon we, – we still haven't seen anything in the way of a announcement for C.J. Colvin, right? So right. There you go. So you, you – Hopefully, combine that with C.J. Colden's decision to return, and all of a sudden, that's a great starting place at corner for Oklahoma with a lot of experience, a lot of PBUs, and a lot of snaps under each of their respective belts. But even if it's just Woody Washington, from that standpoint, has played in upwards of 30 games, right? Has, has uh, again, a, just a wealth of experience and has shown high playmaking ability at times uh, at Oklahoma. Not saying it's always been perfect, but someone that uh, I do think Plank has NFL future if he, again, comes back and performs really, really well and combines it, I think, with Oklahoma defensively being uh, being improved. I think that would go a long way for him. You know, one, one, one thing that's interesting is I'll get – not mad is the word, but I'll always wonder where some of – and I'm guilty of this with, say, the Raiders and my teams too, but I always wonder when someone will say, well, gosh, X player is coming back and, you know, he's got a great chance. And you'll say, X player hasn't stepped on the field in two years. Why would you be excited about that? But then I realize, hey, Oboe didn't step on the field for a couple of years outside of special teams and ended up having a developmental special final two seasons with OU and is having a heck of an NFL career. Um, Jeremy Beal is in that list, but sometimes I think we just fall in love with a guy in jersey, guy in uniform. Boy, that's there's an out of context if you want it. But I bring all that up because I I got y'all freaking out about Kenai Walker. Like I've seen him before, but just watching him in uniform walk around, dude, he looks the part of like a CB one. You see Kenai Walker, you're like, oh, get that dude in there. Now again, it. All changes once the bell rings, but yeah, I could I could see this weekend why people were pretty pumped about the potential of Kenai Walker. So you add Woody Washington to a list that you know you, you think is gonna include Kenai Walker. You're pretty sure it's gonna well, it will include Kenai Walker. You're pretty sure it's gonna include uh CJ Colton. We'll see about a Jaden Davis, and then you got a couple of youngsters that are coming in and we'll kind of figure out what kind of role they may play in that cornerback battle. Like I I mean I Teddy has said it a lot, and I feel like I try to say it a lot on this show, but you know, it's very rare whenever a guy comes in as a true freshman and immediately you look at him and go, oh, dude, he's in the, he's in the rotation. This guy is going to play. And you don't want to be that, that person that gets caught up in hyping a guy up, see Jaron Canick, see Kobe McKenzie, see Kip Lewis, and then the next thing you know, you look up and they, they haven't stepped on the field. You're like, whoa, where's – Where's this guy been? Why why isn't he out there on the field? I thought he was going to play. So I, I I don't want to get too carried away, but in some of the cornerbacks that they're bringing in, you know, in in a Macari Vickers and I mean I I don't know if I don't know if Eric McCarty's going to be a safety or a corner. 
but you you see Josiah Wagner, and you want to say, all right, they've they've got a chance. Maybe a Jacoby Johnson's going to be a corner. I do, I don't know. But then in the same vein, you also stop and you realize, okay, these are freshmen, and let's not get caught up in throwing them immediately into the mix, right? At least that's I hope the lesson. Generally speaking, right? G- right. <laughs> Generally speaking, not saying it's impossible, but probably. Uh, you're, you're looking more in the direction of, say, like a Gentry Williams, right? Exactly. Has been on campus for a year, and all of a sudden, boom, light bulb, come, light bulb comes on. Yeah, and, and, I, and I agree. The, literally, the very first text that hits the uh, Air Comfort Solutions text line is, is this, Gentry Williams is going to get some snaps in 23. Oh, you're right. I can tell you this much. I had, I had one of the coaches, uh, an unnamed coach, say that he feels like he's the kind of guy in a Derek Strait mode that we could be talking about as a – as a player who's up for major awards. It's a major award. Jane Rowe, right? Another name that, look, injury injury derailed this season. Sure. But just the uh, you know, the physical portion, can he come back year wiser, year older? Maybe. We'll Maybe, see. right? Uh and then so from corner to the other announcement of a player who's coming back. Isaiah Coe, someone had mentioned that Reggie Grimes made an announcement that he was coming back, but I don't I don't know that Reggie Grimes had to announce that he was coming back. I think it was I think it was kind of known that he, he would be back and unless he ended up in the in the portal. But I again I, I think that's a guy that has a chance to be pretty special for the Sooners next year. Gotta get a little bit more consistent, a little bit better with his technique, a little stronger, but I think he's fine. But Isaiah Coe did have an opportunity to turn pro, um, and he decided that he's going to come back for another year. And I think in, in flashes, Josh, you know, he looks he looks like he can be a difference maker. Now, he had the broken finger that we learned about where he saw the bone popping out. I'll never forget reporting on that injury because, you know, you had one guy that was up and under his shoulder pad kind of, and you had the other person that was feeling his, his thumb around, and then it was in Ames. And when they hit that spot, Josh, I've never heard a scream like Isaiah Coe let out. Oh, really? Yeah, it was, woof. I'm like, well, Toby, whatever is hurt, they found it. And then we found out later in the game that it was that hand injury that he played through. But when you start thinking about areas where you need more, not I just don't want to say more bodies, you need more playmakers, the interior of the defensive line, these guys have got to be better in 23. And I think having Isaiah Coe back, adding Jacob Lacey to that mix. Let's see if Grayson Halton's going to be a, a difference maker for that defensive line in, in 23. Josh Ellison played in the bowl game, but he's in the portal right now. Uh, Jordan Kelly potentially coming back. I just I feel like it's an area that has to be better. I don't think any of the guys coming in as freshmen factor into that mix in 23. We'll see maybe in rotations. But getting Isaiah Coe back I thought was a pretty big deal. I like him a lot. No pun intended, but it's, it's no – Small ad right, right. back into the fold for Oklahoma. 20 tackles, eight TFLs, a couple of sacks. Uh, has been, I think, uh, quietly very productive for Oklahoma these past couple of years. Maybe doesn't get the same fanfare that some other guys over the last several seasons have gotten up front for Oklahoma, but uh, he, he's been disruptive. I will say, um, I like, I like the idea – of what Ashton Sanders could be. And, you know, we'll see what Derek LeBlanc ends up. I know LeBlanc went with the Sooners. He was one of the guys, right, that went with him to the bowl game, or was that the uh, other defensive lineman? Anyway, uh, he's an impressive dude at 6'5", 265. But, 
I mean, I, I just, I'm not counting on any of these freshmen coming in being guys that are going to affect, which is why I think you still see OU so aggressive in the portal right now. That's in, in defensive linemen. And unfortunately, they're aggressive in the portal at a position that everybody else is looking for. Everybody right now, wants right? some defensive tackles. Yeah, defensive ends, tackles, sure. Yeah, guys. And, and Jacob Lacey coming in, you, you hope that he can be a guy. Jeffrey Johnson, for, I mean, it's, everything I see, he's coming back, right? So you throw him, he probably had one of his best games in the bowl game and then in the final regular season game against Tech. So you hope that's momentum where that can continue to grow for him. But we'll, we'll see. I, I have the hardest time. I was trying to put together a depth chart for the show tomorrow. And as I started to do it, I was like, wait, is that guy still around? Does he have another year of eligibility? Like on the flip side of it, so there is a laundry list of players that are coming back. And then you added to it, Luke Elzinga is how I believe you say his name, the punter that's coming in. Luke Elzinga, um, I feel like, is a name that Toby Rowland will have some fun with. But you learn some dudes that were leaving, and honestly, I didn't know that they had to announce they were leaving because I kind of thought that it was known that Braden Willis and Deshaun White weren't going to be back next right. year. But, I mean, to me, what 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 more – could possibly be said about what Braden Willis meant to this team in 22 that hasn't already been said. I mean, I, I hope Sooner fans appreciated what, what Braden Willis brought to this team this year because he bought in at a level that is necessary for this team to to potentially have a, a championship foundation. And I keep going back to oh. the comments that he made uh, on the podcast that, hey, I'm not going to see the – Fruits of my labor right here, right now. But I hope that I look back and I can say that, yes, I did, Plank, as you mentioned, help lay that foundation, the championship foundation at Oklahoma. So his leadership, obviously the uh, production this season was tremendous for Braden Willis. I think he's got a bright future. So I can't wait to see what comes next for him. Yeah, me too. Um, tw- uh, the Air Comfort Solutions text line, uh, at least from the 918 and 316s, is claiming that Jeffrey Johnson doesn't have any eligibility left. But I would also add, I was pretty sure that neither Deshaun White nor Braden Willis had any eligibility left. And then magically, they had to let us know that they weren't coming back because apparently they had eligibility left. So, right. I mean, I understand what you're saying, and I don't doubt you. I was in that position even as of this whole week and trying to put together this depth chart, not knowing what his role was. But whenever it's like, oh, yeah, he, he doesn't have any eligibility left. Are, are, are we sure? Because I I kind of think that the only dudes for certain heading into the season that I knew had zero eligibility left were Conjul, Turk, and Broyles. Outside of that, I mean, I, I, I in kind of looking at it, you're like, wait, do they have a COVID year? Do they have a redshirt year? Do they have a, a year because of a coaching change that they didn't take advantage of? What's going on with who does or who doesn't have any eligibility left? So, yeah, no, no, no. I, I hear what you're saying. But I think we've talked about this a lot on this show, which was the roster listed them as redshirt fifth years. And so uh, Justin Broyles, Michael Turk, O'Connell, and Casey Kelleher. And Kelleher was joking with me after the game that uh, he might try to find a way to get that seventh year of eligibility, which, by the way, I would take that. I would take that with a long snapper. So I would say it's just me. 
even with some of these fifth-year guys that are listed on the roster, right? Trey Morrison, Braden Willis, Daniel Parker Jr., Deshaun White, Chris Murray, and Jeffrey Johnson. You might say he's out of eligibility, right? I thought the same thing with Deshaun White. I thought the same thing with Braden Willis, and magically they're letting us know that they have to declare for the draft. So I, I have I have no idea. And I think Deshaun, by the way, Braden, sorry, I think Braden's was just more of a, hey, thank you, you know, this, right. this is what's next for me, not I have a decision to make. I'm 99.999% sure he didn't have another year if he wanted to, and I kind of felt the same for Deshaun White as well. And both of those guys deserved a curtain call. Sure, right, exactly. Deshaun White, for him to adjust and play the cheetah like he did, he, uh, I mean, kind of reinvented himself a little bit this season, so. Yeah, still had a lot of work to do. Um, but also in that, you know, kudos to him for accepting that challenge, right? Which is sort of, yeah, the point I was trying to make. Um, you know, but you're absolutely 100% right. All right, um, let's see, what else? Oh, yeah, so Braden Willis, Deshaun White gone. And now at 1020 on this Tuesday, we wait on Dylan Gabriel and Marvin Mims. And just to well, – let's do, when we come back, I'll, I'll kind of share a couple of notebook things that I learned from this weekend – on both of them. Not necessarily negative by any stretch of the imagination, but just a couple of things that caught my eye from the weekend that was in Orlando about the future of both Marvin Mims and, and Dylan Gabriel. And we'll continue to monitor the DeMar Hamlin situation again. As of this morning, no new updates from the overnight tweet that was sent by the Buffalo Bills, which said, as I quote, DeMar Hamlin suffered a cardiac arrest following or suffered a cardiac arrest following a hit in our game with the Bengals. His heartbeat was restored on the field and he was transferred to the UC Medical Center for further testing and treatment. He is currently sedated and listed in critical conditions. So we'll get a timeout. We'll continue to monitor this story, but let's talk about the future of Dylan Gabriel and Marvin Mims next, right here on the ref. You know, I, I, I kind of went back during the break and I was reading both Deshaun White and Braden Willis's announcement about declaring for the NFL draft. And, again, like I said, my understanding is that they were done and they didn't have any eligibility left. But whenever Deshaun White's final sentence is, with that being said, I will be declaring for the 2023 NFL draft, that leads me to believe, Josh, that he had another year left if he wanted it. <laughs> Which, again, I am not going to spend any time trying to figure out. I, I've Every single time, I don't think someone has – any eligibility left, and I look up and they somehow do. I know. It turns into the always sunny Charlie Kelly pulling yarn from one, right, exactly. and one then, side to another. And then literally Max like, yeah, dude, I lose upstairs. He's been. They've all been looking for their mail. They're, they're waiting for it and figuring out where it is. You know, maybe maybe that's – and, and Brayden Willis literally said the same thing in his very small-fonted tweet that he sent out. With that being said – I am entering my name the 2023 NFL draft. It could be as simple as they don't know if they have eligibility left. They're like, well, maybe we do. I, you know, it's, I, again, it, which is why whenever people come in and they're like, oh, yeah, Jeffrey Johnson has no eligibility left. I'm like, you sure? You, you, you certain about that? You willing to stake your reputation on that? Because, I mean, like, I don't know. I have no clue about any of this. Gabe, Gabe and I were joking about it when we were talking about the offensive line. I'm like, yeah, Chris Murray not playing. It's gonna be gonna be tough without him next year. And he goes, Doesn't he have another year? I'm like, oh, I don't I don't know. I will say, of of all the things before we get into a Gabriel Mims conversation, if if there was anything that that maybe 
and I know, listen, it, it had its problems. It made you feel a little bit better. Josh, I think the way that some of the young guys played on Thursday on the offensive line, and I don't know how much you and Travis talked about this on Friday, did they have trouble protecting Dylan Gabriel? Sure, but there were four new starters on that offensive line. And the fifth was a transfer in from Cal that had been in the system for a year. You know, there wasn't like an established starter. You know, Conjol had played some at center, but Andrew Rain was the starting center. And I thought Savion Bird did some good things. I, I wish we could have seen more of Jacob Sexton. But did you – like the rumor the rumor was that maybe he had even been injured in pregame. And kind of that was uh, the, the, the first true kind of plant in, in take on contact ended it. But, yeah, I – I mean, again, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know what more you can say or want from that group playing together for the first time. And now you start thinking about potential portal ads. You start thinking about Sexton getting the offseason to get healthy. Think about Jake Taylor potentially being in that mix. Get Andrew Rame healthy. Assume, I mean, I'm assuming Rame's coming back. Um, they got a chance to be maybe a little bit better than guys like myself thought they would be based on just so much youth and inexperience. It was exciting the way that uh, they played, especially in the the run-blocking category. Javante Barnes and Gavin Sanchuk went wild in the game. Looked no further than the game-tying 12-yard touchdown for Javante Barnes late, right? I mean, there's, mm-hmm. oh, he just waltzes into the end zone. And, you know, Teddy's got a phrase that he uses about guys that don't go out and make a play whenever they have an opportunity to do so. That phrase is, he turned that S down. And you saw guys on Florida State's defense down the stretch that had turned that stuff down. And the reason why is because Oklahoma was establishing a physical dominance. I There was a tweet that came, and I think Lonnie sent it during the, during the game on Thursday, and it said, whoever at, whoever turns the ball over first is going to lose this game. And I thought the interception on fourth down might have been that moment, but I didn't I didn't realize there was actually a bigger turnover to come. And Gavin Sawchuk was amazing. Amaz- Still don't know why they wouldn't have put him on the depth chart like, was a little higher. Maybe there was some gamesmanship in that because once we got down there, it became really obvious really quick that Marcus Major wasn't going to play. It's like, yeah, he's not playing. But Well, and Venable said as much, actually, in that final uh, press conference before the game. Exactly. You're like, well, what, 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 what have we done this whole time? What are you doing to me? I'm, hey, look, it's a, it's a piece of paper. It's a depth chart. But they've been pretty consistent on it. But I love the way Gavin Sawchuck looked going forward. He'll work on ball security. He was a little bit more of a physical runner than I thought that he, he might be, too. And that extra gear, man, that he's got, he's got a chance to be – Absolutely special. They got a chance to really be good running the football next year. Well, I don't think it's uh, I don't think it's hyperbolic to say that this could be the best running back duo duo you've had in Norman since uh, P Ryan and Mixon. I mean, I think that Barnes and Sachuk have a chance to be that spectacular. Yeah, and this is pretty good. Real quick from the from the nine one eight, literally just hit the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Guyton didn't look bad again. Uh, against a soon-to-be top NFL pick, and McCade looked a lot better at right guard. Parks came in and played solid after Sexton went down. And how about Sawchuck? Holy moly! You know, um, I like the bowl games. You have a little bit more room, right? So throughout the year, a, a lot of what's being talked about between coach and players is kind of like a foreign language to me. But I, my, my thing, I like to report on is, hey, um, Bill, 
Bill Beanbow's a little bit upset with you know X player, but they worked through it. And the, the generic nature that you could possibly have. I mean, for me, I'm just happy to be in a football game. But to be behind there and kind of see those opportunities, those conversations, you quickly quickly realized that Bill Beanbow didn't come in this with a, oh gosh, you guys go out there and just give it your best. He came in there with a, we're setting a tone for 23. We're doing it right now. And Aaron Parks, Josh, doesn't get talked about because, yeah, he gave up some off that edge, but he had prepared like he was going to play in this football game. And I thought that was noticeable and that was fun. So you cannot cannot say enough about the job that O-line did under tough circumstances. So with that said, you know you know you're in a good spot even though you're still chasing some people in the portal to hopefully add some more talent and a little bit more experience. But we still sit here at, you know, 10:32 on the ref with Josh Helmer, I'm Chris Plank. On the 3rd day of January, year of our Lord 2023. Happy New Year. And we don't have any indication from Dylan Gabriel or from Marvin Mims about what their next step is. Now, I I don't have any insider information, but if it was thumbs up that they're coming back, thumbs in the middle that you just don't know, and thumbs down that they're gone, if you were to say, Plank, gun to head, boy, there's a horrible analogy. Let me rephrase that. A poison pill in your hand, um, the antidote is you being honest about how you feel. You die if you're not honest. Is that better? That might actually be worse, right? Oh. Bottom line, it's 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 an important decision, right? There you go. So if I'm told this is a really important decision, <laughs> life or death, <laughs> I'm going thumbs up on Gabriel. I'm going thumbs down on Mims. I think Mims is going to take a shot in the NFL. I think Dylan Gabriel is set to come back. Now, between being in Orlando, getting back, to Norman and going through being around friends and families and things of that nature. Um, I don't, I don't know if that mind could be changed, right? I don't know if Marvin Mims has a girlfriend on the women's soccer team. That's coming in to save our day here. I think that Marvin Mims is a guy that has some friends that have gone through the draft process has taught. I think his, I think they've done their due diligence and I think what they've heard is what we talked about on the show Thursday, right? Maybe there's not much you can do to improve your stock. This is what you're going to be in the eyes of scouts, which sounds terrible. But the things that the things that the NFL needs to see from you, they they're good on game tape, right? They've seen that you can make those plays. I, just, just I'm assuming. Here. And unfortunately for Marvin Mims, I don't think he's growing seven inches this summer. There you go, and that that might be the issue more than anything else. So for for me, I would be a little bit more hesitant to say that I'm seeing 17 in a Sooner jersey in 2023. But the way Oklahoma has acted with the portal at quarterback, the the the, the fact that everything is even with Jeff Levy's kind of cryptic comments last what was that Monday or Tuesday? Yeah. I still feel like that we're in a situation where Dylan Gabriel is going to be back as the Oklahoma quarterback. Now, I hope so. Now, if he's not, then you're kind of stuck in scramble mode like you were last year with the backup quarterback situation. Though, you know, vamping here a little bit, 
I don't know that we've seen the last of maybe a potential big-time portal turnover. In other words, this portal session closes on – the 18th, I believe. Thank you. I just I had just replied to someone's text on it. I completely forgot. So this portal session closes on the 18th. But you start to look around college football and you realize some of these NFL vacancies, a guy like a Jim Harbaugh, a guy like a Ryan Day, who um, I don't think that seat is necessarily warm for Ryan Day by any stretch of the imagination, but I think he also realizes that Regardless of what happens, if you don't beat that team up north, it's it's hell for you in Columbus. And speaking of that team up north, Josh, the time-honored tradition of Jim Harbaugh's name being involved in coaching circles in the NFL. Incredible, isn't it? Right? It's Every that time of year again. single year. So, I mean, again, I, I'm not saying that, you know, Dylan Gabriel, if he made a decision that, hey, I'm turning pro, I'm not saying that. You know, this wouldn't be a situation where you turn to a freshman and are like, let's go, Jackson Arnold. I mean, that's possible. But you could also have some really big-time possibilities in that second phase of the portal if you see some some coaching turnover. Right, I, th- that's speculation. I'm firmly 100% in agreement and, and a belief that Dylan Gabriel is going to come back. But if he doesn't, I don't know if you're as doomed with the portal this year as maybe you might have been at times late last year. Let's just – say this on the subject, I don't know that you need coaching turnover for that to happen. Right. For Oklahoma to be an attractive destination out of the transfer portal or for Oklahoma to scoop up a quarterback if out of the transfer portal. If Dylan Gabriel makes the decision that he's going pro plank, OU was, OU was in no way in the market for a quarterback with Gabriel back and with Arnold coming in. Right. Okay? And they could have tried to be in the market, but guess what? The quarterbacks that are in the transfer portal – aren't going somewhere to come be a second or third string quarterback. That's not why they're getting into the transfer portal, right? So, with that said, you weren't really able to get into the market if Gabriel's back and Arnold is coming in. All of a sudden, Gabriel makes that decision to go pro, and Oklahoma becomes a very serious player for whichever quarterback out there, somebody that maybe hadn't even thought about going Mm -hmm. into the transfer portal. Now, all of a sudden, okay, I've got a chance to step in and be the day one starter at Oklahoma. That's an attractive opportunity. By the way, I was really – Davis Brin, the Tulsa quarterback, committed over the weekend to Georgia Southern. I'm not going to lie to you, uh, Josh. I was really surprised by that because I thought Davis Brin was going to be a guy that would end up at a place like Iowa State, somewhere of that nature. Maybe, I don't, maybe he waited too long. Maybe they just wowed him from the start. But to me, that's that's not even a lateral move. I mean, to me, for Davis Brin, that's that's a step down. That's big time for Georgia Southern, but I might be a TU homer as well. Speaking of the quarterbacks in the portal, when we come back, there is still a very interesting name. And you had one very interesting development that took place involving a former Oklahoma quarterback in the portal. We'll get into it next. Plus, your Air Comfort Solutions texts right here on The Ref. <laughs> Welcome back into the Plank Show. Sorry. Was talking to Luann during the break. We have a lot of business to take care of, Luann Luan and myself, fellow Aldi shoppers, Luann Cookman and myself. I like Aldi's as well. Great deals. Incredible value. And I, I think my personal favorite thing is whenever a dude runs from the back of the store where he was stocking things and suddenly just opens another lane and scans your groceries 
as if he's getting set for NASCAR qualifying. Or her. 22-46. Whoa, okay. Thank you. Bye. Put that quarter into the cart. You're good to go. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. Real quick. You liked this scenario. We were laughing about it during the break. The 918 tweets. This will never happen, but wouldn't it be great if it did? Dylan Gabriel leaves. Tebow goes to coach in the NFL. And Caleb Williams comes crawling back to OU. (laughs) Would be a wild turn of events. If, you know, the Lane Kiffin theory last year on Bryce Young is one that I can't get. I can't get out of my head. I really can't. Because... I just get the the sense, Josh, that if and in Lane's theory was this, Bryce Young just won the Heisman Trophy. Why doesn't he go in the transfer portal? You will never be more valuable than you are right now in the transfer portal than as a Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. Could you imagine some of the offers if a scenario like that played out? Now, again, I don't. The coaching change, which isn't gonna gonna happen right now, but would be the reason. I mean, how many times are you allowed to just transfer nonstop? I don't know, but yeah, it was it was wild to watch that play out yesterday, was it not? In the Cotton Bowl, oh, you know, in in the sports world, it was such a great day of college bowl games that obviously got superseded by the sadness and scariness in the Monday night football game. But, uh, yeah, the Tulane-USC game was an incredible finish, an amazing college football game. Just the sequencing of events that had to happen to lead to Tulane winning that game, the plays that were made, the fourth down conversion, the decision to try and field that, and then all of a sudden you're backed up at the one, you get the safety. It just was a crazy finish to that college football game. Everything that needed to happen down the stretch for Tulane to win that game did for them, including this on the final play, courtesy of ESPN Radio. You'll hear a familiar voice on this one. 12 seconds left in the Cotton Bowl. What a finish. Second and goal. Snap to Pratt. Looking. Throws it in the end zone. Caught. No, no, no. On the ground. Bauman says, I caught it. The umpire said, you did not. It's incomplete with eight seconds left. It's an incomplete pass, third down. And this will be reviewed. <laughs> it's either the winning touchdown or there's eight seconds left for them to try once more. Well, if this isn't the winning touchdown, you're going to have to explain to me how it's not. The ball never touches is. the ground. Here it is. Here's the call. After further review, the ball did not touch the ground. It's a completed pass. <laughs> and this moment on TV was so, so good. awesome. So I'll tell you what, you know, for all the the grief that ESPN and Fox, CBS to a certain extent, get covering games, that moment was so well done by ESPN. And that crowd, someone told me they had a game this year, Tulane did, where they had 13,000 people there. Well, all 13,000 of them were at the bowl game. <laughs> they, they took over that freaking Cotton Bowl at AT&T Stadium. And it was really, it was really fun. It was, it was really fun to watch. Chapstick has already gone in depth on the potential transfer because I'd mentioned maybe he could transfer again because uh, of a coaching change. And Chapstick writes, "No, he doesn't need a coaching change. He transferred because of a coaching change. He still has his free transfer available, but does he? 
I guess so, right? Probably, but yeah. Listen, it, Chapstick, we're talking about a scenario that's not going to play out, man. You don't have to drill that deep into it, okay? Yeah. This, this isn't going to happen. That's that's really the right thing to say, yeah. <laughs> and even if Lincoln Riley did leave, he he's not coming back to Oklahoma because of the way it played out. Right, right. right. It's just it's not happening. But it's, I, it's I love your scenario. I love your scenario. How many – Oklahoma USC losing was reason enough for fans to be happy. But how much more in-depth – do you think it became of ha happiness for Sooner fans whenever Lincoln dropped the were close? That had to be that had to be incredible. Um, all right, we got an update. This was literally four minutes ago, and Demar Hamlin's family sent out a statement. "Quote on behalf of our family, this was the player from the Bills that collapsed last night." On behalf of our family, we want to express our sincere gratitude for the love and support shown to DeMar during this challenging time. We are deep, deeply moved by the prayers, kind words, and donations from fans around the country. We also want to acknowledge the dedicated first responders and healthcare professionals at the University of Cincinnati medical team who have provided exceptional care to DeMar. We, see, we feel so blessed, uh, blessed to be part of the Buffalo Bills organization and to have their support. We also want to thank Coach Taylor and the Bengals for everything they've done. Your generosity and compassion mean the world to us. Please keep DeMar in your prayers. We will release updates as soon as we have them. So more of a thank you. We hear your prayers. Mm -hmm. We appreciate them. You guys are doing everything that, you know, will make this a smoother, more um, easy time for us. But right now we just, we don't have an update. And that's the unfortunate reality of where we are. But it seems as if, Josh, everything is is fairly good news, right? Was, got a little bit worried whenever you had his marketing agent who came out last night and talked about uh, everything being uh, being good and they're rolling and this and that. And, you know, he's, he's, he's got his vitals good. And then all of a sudden you don't get another update. That's a little bit concerning. But we continue to monitor the scary situation from Monday Night Football from last night. All right, quick break. When we come back. Um, more of your Air Comfort Solutions text. We'll get you ready for the top five stories of the day. Talk a little bit more about the bowl season and the national championship game, which is just six days away between TCU and Georgia right here on the ref. The, um, sorry, I've got to learn how to, like, wait a second before I just start going. Uh, NFL, Absolutely not. You just, <laughs> just go. Just do your thing, dog. Every single person that's been on vacation that jumps on a microphone today and radio is like, oh, is this thing on it? Is this how this thing works? Hello. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My New Year's resolutions. Um, NFL PA sent out a statement to Demar Hamlin. Quote, our union's focus remains on the, el- on the health of our brother, Demar Hamlin. We continue to be in touch with the clubs and the NFL to ensure that the Bills and Bengals players have every resource available to aid and support them during this time. So that's... That's where we are on the latest involving DeMar Hamlin. No updates on his condition outside of what the Rockets sent last night. Sorry, I was looking up at the screen and they put the Rockets score up. Literally, I've turned into Anchorman in my old age uh, outside of what the Bills showed last night and shared last night. So there's that. I had my uh, I had a funny text during the day yesterday from my man uh, Trevor Anderson, which cracked me up. Uh <laughs> He said, I've watched three USC games this year and loved every one of them, 
two Utah games and a Tulane game. <laughs> but then I had this question posed to me, and I shared it with him, and I'm going to share it with you real quick before the top of the hour, Josh Elmer. One of my L.A. friends at SiriusXM texted and asked this. Is Alex Grinch a bad defensive coordinator, or do USC's players just kind of suck? Is Alex Grinch just a bad defensive coordinator, or do USC's players just kind of suck? Great question. You know, Alex Grinch has done some nice things in the past, right? Mm -hmm. Washington State uh, tenure was impressive to turn that uh, defense around. But generally speaking, there's now quite a bit of bad to go along with it too, both at Oklahoma and USC. So I think a combination Mm -hmm. of the two, I don't know that he's, I don't know that he's outright bad, but I don't think that he's outright good either. (laughs) Is is that a fair way to say it? Yeah. and, And again, there is something to be said about the defensive talent they had at USC, right? They, They've got some dudes now. <laughs> They've got some dudes, but they have a lot of work to do in recruiting as well. And, and someone had just sent us the note that they've lost one of their four-star cornerbacks. I think Kendall tweeted that at us. Well, I would certainly say this. Regardless of you know what you and I think about Alex Grinch, that was a, to me, fireable offense. Yeah, he ain't getting fired either. And that's the funny part in all of this. Boy, I can't. I can't stop laughing at the just wait until this defense gets fixed tweets that are out there. Oh, my gosh, USC fans. Bless your hearts. Bless your hearts. And then there were some Lindell White tweets out there that were a little bit different from that. Yeah, exactly. Quick break. When we come back, we'll the top five stories of the day.